You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to go to the famous story of the rich young ruler. And I love uh, the specific ways that it's so easy to see in the text, the, the ways that, that, that Jesus calls this man who possesses much to leave it behind to follow him. And I think this is so relevant for us uh, living in our culture and in the world that we live in today. And so I want us just to focus in on that because this is the young man who has the decision to make. And it's really a decision that we all have to make. It's this decision when the king offers me an invitation. Do I bow the knee and follow or do I walk away sad? And that's really the decision that you and I make. Really, really we have that decision that we end up making over and over and over again. And, and my dream for us today is that we would grow in our resolution that says, Jesus, all that I have is yours. Jesus, I have decided to give you everything, not partial, not a little bit, but all. And so Matthew chapter 19, this is where we'll go today. Uh, start in verse 16. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones he required? inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, big words, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad. And this might be one of the most sad stories in the scriptures. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich <coughs> to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. This is not about you, he's saying. This is not about what you add. This is about me. And then Peter says, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be for us? Love Peter. Jumps in, makes it relevant to himself. Uh, thinking about me here, Jesus, uh, what about me? Uh, uh, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renew of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, it's that same word that comes up over and over again, you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, big word, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive, Jesus goes up a notch here, a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today and we ask that you would help us, Lord, to live as disciples. Lord, we thank you for 
God, this is the abundance of blessing that we get to have in our lives. But God, we do ask, Lord Jesus, that day in and day out, we would realign our hearts and that we would be disciples who say yes. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we would be people that are willing to leave all behind in order to follow you. We pray that you would be first place. We pray that you would be central. We pray that you would be our great passion. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would work in our hearts and our lives. May we be authentic disciples. And everybody said, amen. In 2014, uh, I went to Zimbabwe uh, with my son Dawson. And it was a, an amazing trip. Actually, some of my buddies, we went with Every Home for Christ. And, and uh, we all had 10-year-old sons. So there was four of us. And uh, each of us took our, our 10-year-old sons. And it was awesome. We, threw, we flew into Johannesburg. And, and we did some ministry there and uh, preached in churches. And, and then we went into uh, Zimbabwe. And we went house to house. We went into the bush and uh, went and, and went to huts out in the middle of nowhere and, and so far out in the bush that the translator would communicate that we were from the United States and there were people that were like actually asked, what's the United States? And so you can kind of imagine how far out in the middle of Africa we were and Obviously, you can imagine just what an incredible experience of a lifetime it really was. And one of the most kind of fun, dangerous, thrilling moments was one day as we were driving from the bush back to about three hours to where we were staying, there were wild elephants in the road and we could not pass. And so, you know, when your local driver who has been there his whole life is not moving in fear, like just freaked out that it's actually a scary moment. You know, like we're like, hey, this probably always happens. Maybe no big deal. But no, our driver was like scared to death. He was like frozen. And so we were like, uh, should we be scared? <laughs> and we really can't get by these elephants. And so we're like stopped. And I just remember the moment, that moment where I'm like just having my life flash before me. Like this is how it ends. I, I get killed by an elephant. Like I'm in my 30s and I'm just on this trip, and it, it's, it's over. Like, I, I, I'm going to die by an elephant, like crushed, stomped. What's he going to do? Like, I mean, I, I kind of had that thought, and we're asking this guy, like, what do we do? And, he, and the, the translator is talking to him, and he's not responding. And I just remember kind of <laughs> having this moment where I looked at one of my buddies, and I just went like this. And he just looked at me like, this, you know, we're just going to have that thrill moment. And it's this mixture of this is exciting, and this is scary. You know, like, is this great? Or is this not great? I'm not totally sure. And uh, so we're looking, you know, at our four 10-year-old boys. All of us, you know, have our sons with us. And, and we're like, guys, look at this. Look out there. Elephants. This is, this is crazy. Guys, guys, get off the iPads. We're in Africa. You know, I mean, it's 21st century parenting. And, and it's this, this, this feeling of exhilaration. This, it's, it's risk. It's, it's great reward. It's awesome. I mean, it's, it's scary, but it's fun. It's amazing, but I'm freaked out. And it's maybe a little bit hard if we die. I mean, you know, like, and uh, so anyway, just so you can obviously tell this, but I lived. And um, then a couple months later, uh, Renata and I had, had uh, purchased season passes to the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs. And so we would take our kids to the zoo. And, um, 
And we were at the zoo, and uh, we, we, we walked into this area that was called Experience Africa. Ha! You know where I'm going with this. Because there we are, we're in this little area that says Experience Africa. And I'm standing there, and it's like elephants. And these elephants look not very enthusiastic compared to the elephants on the road in Africa. And these elephants are behind a cage. And there's people that feed them. I was almost fed to the ones in Africa. Like, to, to, to say experience Africa, the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs, man, it, it had some similarities. But come on, please, do not say to me experience Africa. Well, you want to know why? Because I've been to Africa, and it was a lot scarier than that. And, and in a way, it was a lot more, far more exhilarating. It was way better than the elephant exhibit at the zoo. You just couldn't compare the two. And then so as I was looking at this today, and you've got this famous story of this almost disciple, almost, like this is the disciple that got close, had a conversation with Jesus, and then walked away. And I wonder if you and I were to kind of have a conversation with Jesus today, like the rich young ruler had a conversation with Jesus back then. I wonder what our conversation with Jesus would be like today. Like sometimes I think that we use words like disciple. I think that we've got some of the exterior. I think, you know, we can say the words. We can say pray. We can say great commission. We can say, we can say go. We can say faith. We could say faith the size of a mustard seed. We can have some of the language and even some of the concepts. And yet I wonder if we were to have a conversation about what it means to be a disciple, if it's got a little bit of the same idea where we're talking some of the lang same language, but we have dumbed it down and calmed it down to be a little bit just like experience Africa at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo where it's, not, it's, it's, it's some of the similarities, but it's not the real thing. It's, if you were to talk to the actual disciples that actually left everything, actually had the decision day after day if to turn back, actually saw Jesus do miracles, actually heard the message. Like, I, I, wonder, I wonder if that commentary might be fairly similar to the feeling that I felt in the exhibit at the zoo. Because I think that for many of us, it's so easy for us to slowly, over time, start to settle for something that's a little less, less risky and exhilarating than what Jesus has invited you into. Like, it's a little bit tempting to kind of slow down and develop a little bit of the good life instead of the cost, the reward, and the sacrifice and thrill of living in the present tense with Jesus, the God of the ages, leading you, calling you, inviting you. And so I want us today just to take a few moments and look at this young ruler, which if you read the text, it's very interesting because he, it's just so simple. He embodies the three ideas that really continue to be the temptation. It's the temptation then, it's the temptation now. 
And it's he's rich, all right, live for comfort, live for the good life. He's young, come on, everybody look good, all right? He's young, you got your whole life in front of you, do whatever it takes to be young, have strength. And then he's a ruler, he's got influence or power. And probably you could sit around and think about the potential longings and desires that exist in the hearts of man today. And our temptation is to still want those three things and probably many of the desires in our hearts the root system goes back to one of those three. And here is this rich young ruler that has this conversation with Jesus. And he, he, he comes up and he's, he's asking Jesus, what more must I add? Like, what else, what, what do I gotta do what, what, in addition? And the essence of the story is Jesus invites him to leave the thing that is taking up Affection and allegiance and loyalty that is greater than his allegiance and love and loyalty to Jesus. And I know this is kind of a strong word to say, but I think of it as kind of like Jesus looking right into his heart and seeing the monster that would destroy him and saying, mm, I, want you, I want you to give up. And he actually says, sell all you have and then come follow me. And I think it's because Jesus sees the thing that's the, that he loves most. Because even when we read you know, throughout the scriptures, we don't have every time where Jesus is like saying, sell all you have. You, you, you got to sell everything in, in order to follow me. Oh, we've got multiple times where we've got Jesus talking about giving. But in this case, he actually says to this man, sell all. And I think he's just going right at the root. I think he's going right at the heart. And Jesus, as you know, I mean, Jesus is the creator. Jesus isn't, he, he, he doesn't, it, it's about motive and heart. And he looks at this man and the rich, young ruler, the one who has what that culture and probably our culture and probably most cultures, what people live for, long for, strive for. And Jesus says, I wanna invite you to kind of go a different way. I wanna invite you to say no to turn your back on those things and to come follow me. And I think sometimes, even when I've imagined this before, because of the dramatic request that Jesus makes, like sell all, confession. I've had thoughts of like, wow, kind of feel bad for him. <laughs> like, man, Jesus, why don't you just ask him to tithe? You know, <laughs> like, why, why pick on the poor guy, you know? Until you think about not what Jesus asked him to give up, but what Jesus invited him to have. And when you put it in, in that way, like, okay, think about the invitation that was available to him. Hey, young man, you think, you think you're rich? You think you got strength? You think you got influence? Tell you what, I want to give you an invitation to, to follow me, like walk with me, like right now, like leave it all. Come follow me. And when you think about the magnitude of that invitation, it far surpasses the earthly presentation of rich, young ruler. And yet, it's that decision. This is the most sad story to me. Because here you've got this, and it's in the other gospel stories as well, where it says that this young man, he walked away sad. And I imagine there's sadness in that moment, but it doesn't even begin to compare to the sadness of the moment where he steps into eternity, right? 
Because Jesus offered him an invitation of, hey, come follow me. And this invitation far surpasses whatever influence, money, or strength you could have on earth. And it's one of the funny moments here where Peter jumps up and, and he talks and says, hey, now what about us? <laughs> we left everything. And I just thought it was funny as I was reading it because this is, you know, Peter's always getting in trouble, right? Peter's always jumping up and saying the things that we're all thinking but no one's saying. Um, and, and so I, I, just when you read this text, I would think this might have been one of the moments where Jesus rebukes Peter, right? Because Jesus is always either rewarding Peter or rebuking Peter based upon what Peter's response is, but Peter seems to always have something to say. And so there's some moments where he's looking back at Peter and saying, good job, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And he's just kind of giving him praise. And there's other moments where he calls him Satan. I mean, <laughs> Peter's got some good days and some bad in terms of what he's saying to Jesus. And when I just read this, I thought, man, this would seem like a moment where Jesus has just had this guy walk away and Peter jumps up and goes, what am I going to get? <laughs> you know, like I would, it seems like this might be a moment where Jesus would be like, Peter, you moron, you know, like. But instead, Jesus doesn't do that. He dignifies Peter's question. He dignifies it. Peter's going, hey, I left everything. What do I get? You know, just like the, the fisherman that he is. And Jesus talks in the same language as the rich young ruler because Jesus says, you think he's rich? And here in the text, he says, I tell you that anybody who leaves family, or mother, or father, or fields, whoever's left things on earth. He's talking about wealth. He says, man, you'll get a hundred times more in eternity. He's talking the language of wealth. He's saying, it's, you can't see it right now, Peter. And Peter, I know, like, you're not rich right now, are you, brother? No, you're not. And, and it's tempting to look at the rich young ruler who it feels right now like he's getting the good life, doesn't it? Feels like he's, He's got it all. But look at me, Peter. You've made a wise decision. Oh, ruler. You think that we don't know exactly to what degree he was ruling in that culture. But there in Israel, Jesus would say, tell you what. You think that's great to rule a few decades in Israel? Tell you what, guys. Let me tell you about ruling and reigning with me on thrones for eternity. Oh, <laughs> you think it's great to be young, rich, young ruler? Let me tell you about possessing eternal wealth, eternal position and ruling and reigning with me. And then he says, and having eternal life, life that you won't, you won't get old. It goes on forever. And Jesus right here looks at these followers and he dignifies their decision to follow him. And it's that story that is so gut-wrenching to me because in my own journey, man, I know the day where you say, Jesus, I'm in, mm, let's go, come on. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. You know, mm, you pray it when you're nine or when you're 17 or when you're 25 or whenever. And then you go live decade after decade and you live in this culture that tells you every single day, rich young ruler, rich young ruler, rich young ruler, this is life. 
And it's this perpetual battle to say, no, I choose Jesus. And the world constantly says, come on, come on, live for rich, for young, for influence. And Jesus looks at you and says, live for me and know that there's reward in eternity. And I just want to highlight that today as we walk in 21st century America with the temptation to slowly drift back to this. And the crazy thing to me in this story is the language of addition. Because this rich young ruler comes and he says, what else must I do? What can I add? And Jesus doesn't talk. Hey, just add a little Jesus to your life and you're good. Jesus says, give it all away and come follow me. And sometimes we say, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to live like a rich young ruler. I'm going to have those as motivations and I'll add some Jesus to boot. But Jesus is not something to add. He's a king to follow. And so the idea that says, let me kind of create my own recipe where I take all of it, the longings of the age and Jesus, and I create my own kind of mixture all kind of added together. And I think a disciple living in first century Israel would walk in and see what we call disciple and go, that looks a little bit like a zoo compared to the real thing. I'm not sure when you say sacrifice that you know what it meant for us to give all. I'm not sure when you talk about faith, if you know what it means, what, what's available. And it is the sacrifice, but it's also the reward. Like that was the fun part of Africa was it was Africa, right? I mean, it was awesome. It was scary, but it was so rewarding. Like it was amazing. And so it's the, the scary part, but it's the thrill. And I think that sometimes it's easy for us to call this, this watered down thing that we've created where we've, we're living like the rich young ruler and we're adding a little bit of Jesus. What more can I add to kind of keep it together? And we're calling it Christianity. And yet it's pretty boring. <laughs> like if you just kind of add, like I'm gonna live for me and I'm gonna live for now and I'm gonna live for the pleasures of the planet and I'm gonna add some, some Jesus language to it it's actually a pretty boring life. It's actually pretty broken. And my guess is that day after day, you'll walk away from that religion sad. Because in your own strength, hey, all those I've kept since I was a kid, I'm a good person. What, 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 I gotta add a little Jesus to boot? What, what do I gotta do? As opposed to, I have decided mm, to follow Jesus. Whew and I'm gonna live a supernatural life. And Jesus, you can have it all. My life is yours, my, my affections are yours, my time is yours, my minutes are yours, my days are yours, my money is yours, my life is yours, and I don't know where this will take me. I don't know where I'll end up. I don't know if I'll get the good life. I probably will have less in this life when it comes to rich, young ruler. But imagine on the day where you stand before Jesus. I picture the day where these disciples who did leave everything and they step into eternity and they're going, whoa, Jesus wasn't kidding. 
I'm really glad I decided to follow. I'm really glad I didn't walk away. I'm really glad I bowed the knee instead of walked away sad because I wanted to hold on to the treasures that the planet had to offer. Because there was a day where the rich young ruler became the rich old ruler. And I can imagine laying on your deathbed and all, all the great, all the moments, all the good, all the, all the it's, it's already been done. And it's not that great. And I would add, not only is there the reward in eternity, but think about the life that Jesus actually gives. Like when Jesus says in John 10, 10, he'll give you life and life more abundant. Here's the crazy thing. You actually give up all and Jesus reciprocates, brings it back around to where you actually enjoy Jesus more than you enjoy influence, money, comfort, strength. Like he actually becomes your one true treasure. And that's what Jesus was saying to this young man. Make me your treasure. Ah, but I've got a lot of treasure. I know. That's why I'm saying, make me your treasure. Yeah, but I think I got more treasure than Peter over there. Well, okay. But there was a day where Peter or Thomas, and you just read, you can read a guy named Eusebius, this third century historian, and he tells the stories of where the historians say that the disciples ended up, where they ended up in other countries proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And most of them lived uh, challenging lives proclaiming the gospel and then martyred, right? But imagine when they came to the end of their life and they had gone far beyond where they would have gone if they had stayed in Galilee. Like nothing wrong with being a fisherman in Galilee. The average person in that day would travel no more than 35 miles from where they were born. And here they are geographically far beyond where they, would, where they would have been. And not only geographically, but spiritually in the thrill of following Jesus. Hard, absolutely. Challenging, absolutely. But you know what? They did see the fish turn to bread. They did hear the messages of the Sermon on the Mount. They did stand there and watch Jesus ascend into heaven. They were there at Pentecost. I mean, they got to see the, the rise of the church. I mean, the, honestly, the life unlimited that they experienced, even on earth, surpassed where I think a rich old ruler on his deathbed that hoarded, protected, and lived under the belief system that says, I got to protect this. I got to keep this. And I just think that for you and for me, I live in this, friends. I live in this. My, my temptation is to make that decision. I'll follow. I'll bow the knee. And then I, it's like a river. You wake up and you go, how have these things crept into me? Why is it that I want that comfort? Why is it that I want all those people to like me? Why, why is it that I, ah, and you just come back before Jesus again and go, I bow the knee. I'm not going to walk away sad. I'm coming back to you, Jesus. Take it all. You're, you're, you're my king. You're not an addition to my life. You're my king. You, you're, you're all. And so, and so I'm coming back to you. And so my dream for us today is that we would say, all right, God, I believe the way that you invite us to, 
the way of following far surpasses the way of living for now, the way of living for the temporal pleasures. And this, this is a way of thinking of being all in. It's this way of seeing Jesus. I'm following a person. Because that's what the rich young ruler, even when he's talking about how I've been keeping, I've been keeping the law and, and I want to add Jesus, at the core, he's saying, he's been following the rules, but he decided not to follow Jesus. And one of the lies for us is to feel good about ourselves because, hey, we're, we're keeping the rules. We're doing some good things. But I'm telling you, the joy in Christianity is not keeping the rules or following the rules. Man, it's following the person. And it's the work of what he does in your heart. And it's the transformation of those desires. And then it's the supernatural work that he does inside of you. And then you start to care what he cares about. And you actually end up, if you, if you're, I mean, I can imagine if, if you're able to look at the rich young ruler in that moment, and you're able to see outside of time and see all that he actually gives up. He's the one that gave up more. He's, he's the one that had the invitation from God himself living on the planet saying, come follow me. So I want us just today to dream about what, what God is calling you to. And I just I know that it's a harsh language, but I want you to just go ahead and even say, God, what's the monster inside of me that I tend to cling to? Like, even as the gospel writers say, he walked away sad because he had great wealth. What's the thing that might be the monster that is messing you up and keeping you from being close, from saying, I'll follow? Man, I, is it, I just, I want, I want to be liked? Is it I want comfort? Is it, is it I want to be applauded? What is it? Because I think, I love, I love where in one of the other gospels, they add, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I think Jesus would look at you just like he looked at the rich young ruler and goes, come on, I love you. I'm cheering you on. I want you to win here. But it is a lordship thing. I am not an addition to your life. I am king and I am supreme. And I am God. And this thing requires, I have decided. I'm turning my back on all those things in order to gain Jesus. And you get the person. You get following Jesus. And so that's that's my dream for us is that we we would live with that eternal view, eternity in mind, and understand that that, (laughs) that rich old ruler probably possesses significant regret. And I just want us to be people that, what, no matter your age, that we're making this decision that says, I've, I'll, I'll bow the knee. I will follow. I have decided. I'm not walking away sad. I'm not living for now. Jesus really does keep his word. Jesus really is worth it. And you get into this exhilarating, I mean, have you ever met, have you ever met someone that it just seems like their favorite topic is Jesus? And sometimes I see people that make fun of them and mock them like, yeah, that person's a little crazy. But I think sometimes that mockery comes because I just added a little Jesus to him. I actually value all these other things. And I've just got a, I got a little bit of Jesus to boot. 
But if we live as authentic, like we're all in, I don't know how this thing goes, and we just throw our lives at the person of Jesus. We just give him everything. We just give him all. Man, I think we become dangerous. And I think the thrill of following Jesus comes back because it's in giving that last little fraction. If he would have just, if he would have said, okay, because to him it was a lot, but to Jesus, he goes, that's a fraction. Your little bit of wealth in Israel? Come on. It's in that last little fraction. Jesus, take this last little bit that I cling to. Take this last little bit that I hold on to that you become dangerous. That then when we stand and it's the benediction at Radiant Church, it's not just a bunch of good people that say some good things and live some good moral lives. Ooh, it's so much more than that. It's a bunch of disciples that walk closely with Jesus, hear his voice, are dreaming about how we can make a difference, serve people, love people, be the hands and feet of Jesus, take the gospel to unreached people, feed the poor, pray, believe in faith, take risks, serve people, love people. And it's this exhilarating way to live that far surpasses, I'm, I'm following the rules. It's following the king who's giving eternal life and life to the full, life abundant. It's a little bit like we are content for the zoo, and he's going, let me take you on a safari. Go, go, let, let me tell you about something that's a little bit better. Let me, let me show you. Let me, I, I've got something more for you. And if you're a little bit bored with your walk with Jesus, I want to invite you, comb through your affections. God, what's the thing? What's the thing where I'm just not quite all in? What's the thing where I've got, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite all there. One of my favorite missionaries, his name is C.T. Studd, which I just love his name. I just sort of, man, I just almost named that, named Dawson that. D.A. Studd. Um, but his name is C.T. Studd. And he just, he said, some people want to live in the sound of chapel bells, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gate of hell. Here's what he's saying. That doesn't have to be safe, sweet, comfort. Man, I want to give my life to be on the front lines and be dangerous. I want to fulfill the fullness. Man, I want to be, I want, I, I want to die empty, be one of the old apostles, giving my life in some other country far from Galilee rather than safe and secure in my house with my riches, wondering. What would my life have looked like if I would follow Jesus? And so that's it's really the dream. It's really our prayer. What, what if we just became this people who said, all that matters, all that matters is what's done for Jesus. That's what lasts. We want to be dangerous. I'm telling you, it's possible. I know, I know we live in a nation where it's easy to just go to church. I got that. I beg of you, don't add a little Jesus to American Idols being number one. Man, let's really, let's really try to do this and let's watch God do supernatural things for us. I'll close with this. This series for the Lamb's Reward. You know, it's just, it's just a historical story. I just use it as an illustration to tie this series of messages that have all been similar in theme of all in. Sacrifice. Jesus is worth it. Because I just believe, I just, I think maybe, I mean, the world that I live in, I'm just so tempted to slow down, chill out, and become the rich young ruler. And I just want us just probably year after year to come back to, no, 
no, Jesus, you're worth everything. And I just love that this story of these two young boys, Leonard Dober and David Nitchman, who were willing, 1727, all right, there's a need, there's a calling. I'll leave the comfort of Europe to go take the gospel to a nation on an island where I have to sell my life into slavery. My motivation, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. He is the king. He is worth it. And I just imagine that their story is like that, that one of them actually lost his life only months after arriving. Another had great success. And I think that both of them, having given all, said, you know what? Worth it. Worth it. And I promise you this, there's not one of those apostles coming to the end far from Galilee that wouldn't say, worth it. He's worth it both in time and in eternity. And I just want us to come back to this central conviction. Worth it. Yeah, just tears in your eyes. Jesus, you're worth it. Yeah, you are. It, 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 it does cost you. Like you, you, you have decided it, and when it comes to, man, you could be living morally different. You could be living financially different. You could be praying less and you could be just, you could you just go live for you if you wanted to. But that cost, man, there's something beautiful in that. There's something beautiful that you get to lay at his feet. And I just think both at our last day in time and our first day in eternity that we'll go, worth it, worth it. May the lamb who was slain receive a great reward. The reward of me all in and the reward of worshipers from every nation. Amen. Bow your head with me. Let me pray for you. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory@radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radian Church Podcast.